And it's Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read from verse 15 to verse 20. That's page 985 in the church Bibles. That's page 985, Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 15. In this part of the gospel, Jesus is speaking to his followers. And then he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I've been asked to pray for Stephen before he comes up and for us as we hear God's word. So let's all, all pray. Lord God, we bow before you. We praise you that you're a, a God who speaks, who speaks to us. And we believe that you have a message for us from your word this morning. We trust that you've guided Stephen as he's prepared to teach your word to us. We pray that you'd enable him to deliver the message you have for us. Give him boldness, give him strength. May he know your presence. And Lord, may we be taught and instructed in your word. That Christ would be formed in us, that his life will be demonstrated in our lives. May we have grace to hear and do as you say, for his sake. Amen. Thanks, Marcus. Uh, my name's Stephen. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Paynton Church. Great to see you this morning. And um, when I was in college, a friend of mine gave me some advice. He said, Stephen, I need to teach you something here. I need to teach you some, some pearls of wisdom for you. I was like, yes, tell me more. And he said, here you go, a phrase that will help you in all of life. N-M-P. I was like, what? NMP, what does that mean? He's like, NMP, right? Not my problem. And, and, and so this became a little like a, a motto of mine for the next few, a few years. So like a college football kit that hadn't been washed and smelled really bad. Well, NMP, not my problem. I can wear a smelly kit. Happy days. Or, or like um, showers on the, on the corridor were, were broken. Well, NMP, I can wash in the sink, bit of uh, deodorant. Lovely. Happy days, not my problem. Or, or like dog poo on the side of the road. Again. Not my problem, NMP, I don't have a dog, it's not mine. <laughs> like, but actually, um, like that advice was some of the worst advice I've ever got. Like, that's absolute rubbish. Because Jesus, he's not a not-my-problem sort of guy. In fact, when it comes to dealing with sin and other people, uh, Jesus doesn't believe in NMP. Have a look at Matthew 18, verse 15, uh, page 985 in the Bible's because here's what Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. 
Jesus is basically saying, your sin is my problem, my sin is your problem. Like, like within the church, within God's family, we look out for each other by changing each other's sin. And, and like right at the start, we're going to talk about sin quite a lot this morning, so good to get ourselves clear on what sin is. Um, in the Bible, uh, sin is the stuff we think, we say, and we do that, that, that goes against God and his commands. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 15 that it, it comes from an evil heart, the stuff we say, think, and do that goes against God and his commands. And Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 20, is giving us a little how-to guide, how to deal with sin within God's family. But before that, right, we need to work out why. Like, why is your sin my problem and my sin your problem? Like, why do we deal with sin within God's family? And there's two big reasons. Um, the first is this. Sin is deadly. Like, like sin, it, it damages other people. It hurts other people by what we say, what we think, and we do. We can wound others. And not only that, but Matthew 18, verse 9 in your Bibles, it says, um, if your eye causes you to, to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Like Jesus outlines radical steps to deal with sin because sin, left unchecked, left unchallenged, is vile, despicable, deadly, and it leads to destruction. And not only that, but, but sin is deadly, and also sin is contagious. Now, um, the vicar's not here this morning, so I can say this happily and freely. Like, I detest cycling. Like, I can't stand riding bikes. Anyone with me on that? Yes, thank you, good. I can't stand it. And it all started back when I was like 11 years old. I went for a cycle ride with my friend, Robbie Bremner. And like Robbie, he cycled straight across the road. And so I blindly follow him, right? And as I'm crossing that road, there's a massive like horn. Man starts shouting at me, swearing at me, like inches from being knocked down by this car. Because I blindly followed Robbie into trouble. And from that day on, I've hated cycling. But but like, that's what sin does. Matthew 18, verse 7, um, Jesus says, Woe to the world because of these things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. He says, woe to the person who causes someone else to stumble by what they do, think, and say. Because our sins contagious and we can affect others. So your sin's my problem, my sin's your problem, because sin is deadly. But also... We deal with sin within God's family. Um, my sin's your problem, your sin's my problem, because we're family. Like Matthew 18, verse 15, uh, Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins, and he's talking to his disciples here, like, like there's a unity, a connection, a, a love that exists between those who trust in Jesus. So, because Jesus Christ, he, God's son died so that all who trust in him can become sons and daughters of the living God. And just a word, like, if you're not trusting Jesus today, and if you're not part of this family, well, as we go through this morning, have a look at how this family looks out for each other, cares for each other, loves each other. Because one of the amazing things about being a Christian is you get a family, a huge, diverse, amazing family that loves you and cares for you. So if you're not part of that family, why not have a little look, have a little think, and speak to us afterwards if you want to know, know more about how to become part of that family. Because we're family, and like... Um, you drop everything to help family, don't you? Like, you, you drop everything to help others in your family who are in need. Um, beginning of this year, um, my mum wasn't doing very well at all. And so 
I dropped everything to go and help her. I cancelled our route to lunch in February. I, I missed meetings. I wasn't here at church because I was going up to London to go and see her. I was hurting for her. I was in tears for her. I was moved to help her. And so, like, have a look on your row. Just, just have, a, have a look down your row. Have a look around you, at the church around you. Look at the odd people in this room here today. Like, if you're trusting Jesus, they're your family. And, like, like do you love them enough to challenge them about the poisonous, vile sin that they do? think and say and like our western mindsets we hate this like we are part of one of the most individualistic individualistic societies ever to have existed sorry about that um and so our motto is this is my life you can't tell me how to live my life and yet jesus says that don't fly in my church in my church in my family matthew 18 verse 15 if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Jesus says we challenge each other's behavior. We challenge it. Because your sin's my problem, my sin's your problem, because oh, sin is deadly, and we are family. And like, if we see each other and embrace each other as the family that we truly are, and if we see sin as a vile, deadly poison that will destroy us, then we're going to want to care about each other, aren't we, by challenging this kind of behavior. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, a, a legend of the past, he said this. He said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from community. The more isolated a person is, the more disruptive the power of sin over him. The more isolated, the more disruptive the power of sin over him. See, hidden, isolated people away from community are in peril. And so if that's true, like BH, other people here who, who know you, like who know you deep down, who, who know where your sinful struggles are, your battles are, who, who you're accountable to, who you talk to about this kind of stuff. If not, like find those people. Um, I've got a friend of mine who said, Stephen, slap me in the face. Like, oh yes, please. Um, he said, Stephen, slap me in the face. Uh, he said, slap me in the face if I ever start talking like I'm going to leave my wife. Like, don't let me. Push me back. Don't let me go. Like, have those kind of conversations. See, that's why we deal with sin within the church, because your sin's my problem, my sin's your problem. That's the why. Now I'm going to have a look at the how. And to kick us off, we've got a little video to watch. So, get ready. This is exciting. Here it is. Good morning, apartment. Good morning, doorway. Morning, wall. Morning, ceiling. Good morning, floor. Ready to start the day. Ah, here it is. Instructions to fit in. Have everybody like you and always be happy. Step one. Breathe. Okay, got that one down. Step two, greet the day, smile, and say, Good morning, city! Step three, exercise. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up! Step four, shower. And always be sure to keep the soap out of your ass! 
Shave your face. Rough your feet. Comb your hair. Mm. <laughs> Wear clothes. <laughs> Almost forgot that one. No, no, uh-uh, no, not that wrong. And that's it, check. Step nine, eat a complete breakfast with all the special people in your life. Hey, Planty, what do you want to do this morning? Watch TV? Me too. There's a little insight into my morning routine. Um, but but that, that's a little how-to guide, like how uh, like Lego instructions how-to. And that's what Jesus gives us here in Matthew 18, a little how-to guide. Only his, his how-to guide is how to deal with sin within the church, within God's family. And again, this is within God's family. So this is for people who aren't trusting, uh, who are trusting Jesus and her brothers and sisters. And see, it's a three-step program, right? Step one, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. So, like, we have a responsibility to each other to go and say something. If we see a brother or sister sinning, but what they think, say, and do that goes against God's command, um, and we see that, we go. We don't do nothing. We don't sit there watching. No, like, passivity is not love in this situation. We go and say something. And we go one-to-one. Um, and we go face-to-face, too. Now, here's a little uh, Stephen Demetrio dating breakup history for you. Um, uh, my, my past, airing my day laundry in church. Here we go. Um, the first uh, uh, American girl, Ruthie, she broke up with me, right, via Facebook Messenger. Like, that's savage. Like a little email to say, you're done. Um, uh, then um, that was my turn the next time with Anna, a, a Danish girl, I broke up with her, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this, via Skype. <laughs> and, and so by the third and hopefully final last ever time, um, I'd learnt. Uh, uh, Catherine, an Irish girl, I went to her face to face. And that's true, like any difficult conversations, you go face to face. You don't hide behind a screen, behind WhatsApp, text, um, uh, emails. No, you go face to face because it shows you care and shows you value them, shows you love them. And same with these kind of conversations here. Go face to face. And, and you go one to one. Look at verse 15 again. Just between the two of you. Like the Bible has very strong words to say against gossip. Like Proverbs talks about gossip separating close friends. Gossip's like gasoline. When poured onto a fire, it makes it so much worse, so much more intense. And so if we see someone sinning, we don't like, chat about them behind their back. We don't moan or grumble and complain behind their back. No, we go to the person directly. And the goal is there in verse 15 too. To win them over. Like, the goal is reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness. And actually, in, in the chapter, it's just after God showed us how he goes all the way to go and get us back in Matthew 18, verse 10 to 14. So the goal is to do what God does and go and bring someone back into the fold. And so I wonder, is there someone here at BH who you need to go and talk to? Like you've noticed their behavior and you've just put it off and said, ah, someone else will deal with that. They'll figure it out later for themselves. That's not my problem. See, it is our problem. And so those conversations are hard and difficult, but they need to be had because we're caring for our family here. So go one to one, step one. And step two, verse 16. If they will not listen to you, take one or two lives along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
Jesus here is quoting from Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, and he's quoting from a bit in the Bible where, where God's outlining um, how to, how to deal, with, um, how to, uh, deal with, with, with courtroom issues. And Jesus is basically saying the church must have as high standards as a courtroom in matters of sin within the church. Like no low bar here, it's as high standards. And so you take some witnesses, not like your best mates, Jack and Jimmy, and go, yeah, let's go, let's go. No, you get wise, godly people who won't gossip, who have seen the behavior for themselves, and you go, because others add weight to your message. They can make sure everything's done properly and safely and securely, and you go. And again, the step is reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness. That's the goal. And then step three, if that doesn't work, verse 17. If they still refuse to listen, tear it to the church. And again, us Westerners are like, what? The whole church up in my business? No, thank you. But if we are truly family, then it's our business too. If sin is truly deadly, then it's our business too. And the hope is that when a brother or sister sees the whole church opposing their behavior, they'll turn from it and run back to the church. And then the goal would be like a Luke 15 lost son style celebration party. But if they still refuse to listen. So if someone's sinning and they refuse to, and they're not saying sorry and they refuse to listen to one person, to others, to the whole church, well, verse 17 tells what to do. Treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Jesus says, treat them as someone outside God's family. So that might mean we'd ask them to step, step down from leadership or serving here at BH. But we wouldn't shun them away, no. We'd hold out love. We'd hold out hope and we'd leave the door wide open. We'd pray for them to come back in. But there is seriousness and weight behind sin and unrepentant sin at that. And you might be sitting there thinking, like, what gives you the right? Like, what gives the church the right to do this sort of thing? Well, Jesus tells us. But first, a sign saying this appeared in North Finchley when I was seven years old. And me and my brother, we were so excited. We saw that and we were like, oh my word, one of these is coming to North Finchley. Yes! And it was a big shop too. We were so pumped, a sweet shop in North Finchley. And so imagine our shock and horror when this shows up. A running shop. Like, devastated. We read it like we wanted to read. We wanted sweets, and instead we got sweat. Like, and actually, like, that's how we can treat the Bible too. See, we can read the Bible how we want to read it, and not read it as actually what God says to us. And like Matthew 18, verse 20, I used to read that this way. Here's what it says. It says, where two or three gather together in my name, there am I with them. In my younger days, I read this as a promise that when we were really small in a prayer meeting, it was okay because Christ was there with us. But that's not what it's saying. Not at all. In fact, the context doesn't allow us to say that. See, our God is the omnipresent God, the God who is absolutely everywhere, whom we cannot escape from. David says, where can I flee from your spirit, God? And, his, and God's spirit lives inside Christians. There's no escaping God. Like, like God is everywhere. Where there's one of us, two of us, three of us, 123 of us, he's there. Which is a little reminder for us to make sure we're reading the Bible carefully. And checking the context. And reading what God actually says and not what we'd like him to say. Because Matthew 18, verse 20, look at those, those words, where two or three are gathered in my name. 
That's appeared in verse 16 already. See, Jesus is basically saying, the church has my backing, my authority in dealing with sin. I'm with you when you deal with sin within the church. And what the church does in excluding and welcoming people into, into its family is an outworking as what's going on in heaven is binding and loosing. That's what Christ is saying. He's adding weight behind a challenge. Which means we have to respond rightly. We need to listen. Verse 15, Jesus says, listen. Verse 16, listen. Verse 17, listen. Verse 17, listen. When challenged, we respond by listening. And now, like, our natural reaction will not be listen. Our natural reaction will, e- will either be a hedgehog or squirrel, right? Hedgehog. Um, oh, he's so cute. But hedgehogs, they curl into a little ball and get all spiky and prickly. And so when challenged, like, our, our reaction will be defensive and try and poke someone back and get angry and offended and hurt. Or we'll be a squirrel. Ah. And when challenged, what do squirrels do? They bolt! And so when challenged, we'll ignore the person who's challenged us, we'll blank them, we'll avoid them. We might avoid church, we might avoid small group. Hedgehog or squirrel. But Jesus says, listen. Like, listen. Because when a brother or sister comes to you and challenges you, they're coming it's taken guts to do that. It's taken love to do that. And they're hopefully coming to help you get rid of that vile disease of sin. So listen. And take it to God and ask him, how can I change? Listen. And like, before we start doing this as a church, before we start rushing off and rebuking every single person we see within the church, two safeguards to remember. The first one, remember the plank. Here it is. There we go. Remember the plank. Jesus in Matthew 7 um, says, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He, he's saying, check yourself first. Like, like maybe let pray a little prayer like, Lord, show me myself. Show me my sin before you challenge someone else. Check yourself first and, and check your motives too. Like, are you going out of jealousy, out of anger, out of self-righteousness, out of pride? Or are you going out of love? To win your brother or sister back. Remember the plank. And secondly, second safeguard is speak the truth in love. Um, It's what Ephesians 4 verse 15 says. It says, speaking the the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature. And like most of us are good at one of those things. We're either love speakers or truth speakers. Me, I'm a truth speaker. So I come across judgmental, harsh, cold, blunt. But others of others might be uh, love speakers and we come across warm and cuddly and, ah, oh, it's okay, don't worry about that. And we brush over stuff. But Jesus says, speak the truth in love. So it's saying the hard and difficult things, but gently and lovingly. Challenging with kindness. And so, BH family, I thought we'd do something together as a response to what we've read in Matthew 18. Um, here's some words I'd love us to speak as a church and I think would be a great thing for us to do. So I have a read of them. And if you can't say those words, don't worry. Don't, you don't have to say them. I'm not going to force you to say them. But this is a great thing for us to do. So have a read of those on your own first and we'll say it all together, anyone who wants to. So if you want to say those words, together we'll say, 
I give you permission to speak the truth in love to me. I will listen to the truth spoken in love. See, ultimately, we speak the truth in love and we listen to the truth spoken in love because that's how God has acted towards us. He gives us the ultimate example of the truth spoken in love and it's right there. The cross is the ultimate example of truth spoken in love. Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross. And the cross is God speaking truth to us because the cross, the cross says, look at how sinful you are. Look at what you deserve for your sin and your rebellion against me. Look at how messed up you are in your filth and sin. You can't save yourselves so that I myself, God Almighty, have to come and die for you. The cross is God speaking truth. But the cross is also God speaking love to us. It's God saying, look how much I love you. Look how much I value, treasure and adore you that I myself would choose to come and take your punishment to bring you back. The cross is God speaking love. It shows us the depth of our sin and the heights of God's love. Truth spoken in love. And actually, the cross too is the way into God's family. So if you're not trusting in Jesus and you're not part of God's family, well, that's the way in through Jesus who died for you. And you can know this kind of love and this care and this affection for yourself. So when it comes to sin within God's family, when it comes to matters of dealing with sin in the church, we don't have an NMP attitude to sin. No. We speak the truth in love because that's how God's dealt with us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that, that, that he is you speaking truth to us and you speaking love to us. Thank you as we look to the cross, we see the ultimate example of love and truth. And help us to speak to each other in that way, challenging sin out of love for each other. And Lord, it's not easy, so please would your spirit give us help and strength in those works. And would we remember that we are family And we love each other because of the cross and because of what Christ has done for us. Amen.